They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi, friends. Shane Pruitt here. Welcome to another episode of Next Gen On Mission. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us. Today we have a very special guest with us, J.D. Greer. J.D. Greer is the lead pastor of Summit Church in North Carolina, an author, podcaster, and current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Most importantly, is a follower of Jesus, husband, and father. And today we're going to talk about turning the next generation into missionaries. So, J.D., thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today. Uh, my pleasure, Shane. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, before we get too spiritual... What's one fun fact we should know about you that we probably don't already know? Uh, my great, 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 great uncle is Davy Crockett. Are you serious? Uh, people, yeah, I'm totally serious. I, uh, I was looking at my, my grandmother years ago who showed me a family Bible. And in it, if you go straight up the family tree and take a left, uh, like um, the sister of one of my grandmothers was Davy Crockett. So Come on. <laughs> so anyway, Any listeners from Texas? You're welcome. That's all I got to say. From my family to all of you, you're welcome. Hey, well, I am recording you right now from Texas. So, man, that just made my heart stir with affection. There, I think I would have opened with. I think I would open with that if I were you. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have. I will say that a couple times when I'm in Texas, I, I usually, if I feel like I need to win the audience, I'm. I just tell them that I'm like, hey, you know. Hey, I may not be from here because people from Texas only like to hear from other people from Texas, <laughs> and so. Not being from there, I'm like, well, I'm North Carolina, but I got some connection here. I got some street cred. I love it. Hey, it has been said multiple times, Texas is the greatest nation in the world, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, awesome. Hey, well, J.D., I always ask every guest this, and it's so fun to hear the different responses. Uh, briefly share with our listeners, what do we need to know about the next generation? What do we need to know about Gen Z that's coming up and young millennials? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's kind of like, when somebody asked me afterwards, you know, like, uh, I'll, like a young college student, tell me about marriage, you know, and they give me like 30 seconds and I'm like, all right, well, you know, yeah. so, um, two things come to mind, Shane, that I, I think stand out that have been a little bit surprising to me. One is that if you rewind the clock, even 20 years ago, we were a lot of things in the, when it came to preaching and Christian ministry or a little bit like don't ask, don't tell. Like with things that were controversial, um, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, let's just not talk about homosexuality. You know, I won't bring it up if you want, because I know that we I, it might be unpopular. The other things now it's like they, they, they expect that of us. And they've actually been told a very false narrative about why we believe what we believe, like we're homophobic, like we, you know, we don't like gay people or it's, you know, or it, it's um, you know, and I'm only using homosexuality as an example. There are multiple issues that sure this would be like. And, and what you've got to do is, is number one, you can't really avoid it. You've got to get ahead of it and tell a better narrative. And then the second component of that is it means that you've got to kind of unpack the whole Christian worldview and you can't just do topical series on marriage because as helpful as those are, like they've got to understand that what you're presenting is a whole radically different way of looking at the world and simply trying to show them that your principles on marriage are better than their principles on marriage that's, you know, that's not going to be compelling to them. You got to give them the whole ball of crazy um, mm-hmm. and just say, yeah, I believe that a man showed up 2000 years ago who was the son of God. And one day he's going to come back riding in the clouds on a white horse. I believe that. <laughs> and if that's true, 
it redefines everything. So I, I'd say that's the first thing. Um, the second uh, thing is more on a missional component, and that is that this generation is kind of pre-mobilized. I mean, they're they're like ready to go, whether they're Christians or not. You know, it's kind of the it used to be called the Bono effect, like you know, because that's when it first started. Of kind of like I care about what's going on in Africa and injustice in Central America, or you know, something like that. And so, um, you know, it's it's very easy to mobilize them to after they become Christians to you know to do it for the gospel. And it's like you don't have to convince them like. Hey, don't just choose a little comfortable life. You should, you know, try to do something that impacts the world. This generation's already kind of like we're ready to impact, and now we just got to got to give them a, a better mission than than simply, you know, than some of the things they're they're currently thinking they want to give the lives to. Yeah, that's so good. I, I agree one hundred percent, and that's a great segue into go to go to sounds like an amazing opportunity and a beautiful challenge. What is go to? What's the vision behind it? Yeah, well, it started in our church, which most of the things I feel like I laid out on now came from seeing them, you know, unfold here in our church. Um, we we realized years ago that because we had a lot of college students, that we weren't going to have a lot of money, but we did have a lot of potential missionaries. And um, they're all, you know, like kind of looking, especially after they really get serious about Jesus, they, they're looking for what, what does God want me to do with my life? And... So we began to tell them, like, look, you need to get rid of this idea that calling into ministry or leveraging your life for the Great Commission is something that happens to a select few people in a sacred experience. You know, it's like mystical. It really, you know, the call to the call to follow Jesus, um, the call to leverage your life for mission was included in the call to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. He said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And so therefore, you, instead of asking, you know, um, am I called to ministry? The question is where and how. Yeah. And we tell them, you know, really what it means to follow Jesus, whether you're, you know, whatever you're, you're skilled at, is so whatever you're good at, whatever you're skilled at, do it well to the glory of God, but also do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. And we, so we t- tell our college students, like, you know, one of the easiest ways to apply that is why not, the, for your first two years after you graduate, why not spend those first two years on one of our church planning teams? Um, and we have, um, we send out, um, it's probably about a hundred people a year. We just send out our, I think 12, 12, 1300th person who has left our church to go be a part of about half of them have gone to domestic church planting teams, you know, cities like Denver, Orlando, Atlanta, other places like that. And about half of them have gone overseas on church planting teams. And we just challenge all our students, give at least the first two years. The 12, 1,300 that I mentioned, they're not exclusively college students, but I bet you, I bet you 75% of them, or it was 60% of them are um, college students who've just said, the way we phrase it is, put your yes on the table, like God put it on the map. Mm-hmm. We challenge them to put their yes on the table after they graduate, and then we have a conversation with them about where they could be a part of a church planning team. Most of these are not going full-time in any kind of full-time ministry capacity. Some are, but a lot of them are just like saying, hey, if I'm going to be a public school teacher, why don't I do it in Denver instead of just, you know, where my family is from? And nothing wrong with where your family's from, but, you know, why not Why not let the mission of God be the largest factor in where you choose to pursue your career? It's not supposed to stop with two years, but two years is simply a way to, to give the first and the best to God. So that's where this idea came from, is what if every evangelical college student began to think about the mission of God first when they chose their career? Um, I kind of say tongue-in-cheek that if the Mormons can do it for a works-based gospel or a false gospel, then certainly those of us who know the true gospel ought to be willing to give God the first and best of our lives, too. Yeah, I love that. 
Hey, I wrote that quote down. You said, well, go put your yes on the table, but let God put it on the map. I love that. So I actually right. shared about oh, that. Yeah, with the, uh, I was preaching chapel on Monday of this week of Dallas Baptist University, and during a ministry luncheon, I cast a go-to vision to the college students there. And you just see the light coming on for them and the excitement. Um, yeah. So where can you find yep. out more information? If you're, if you're a, uh, a next-gen leader or a, a student yourself, where can you find out more information on GoTo and some of those next steps? Yeah, yeah. If you just go to gotoyears.net, yep. it's probably the easiest place where there's an there's a international component, uh, uh, like a, a plug and a national one. We're still building out everything, but there's already enough stuff on there for you to start the conversation. Um, particularly if you're in a Southern Baptist church, and I know a lot of your listeners are, um, you know, it's going to be very easy because they're going to be able to match you up with teams, church planting teams. It's cool because, you know, you're, you're, you're honestly, you get to be with a lot of people your age, you know, I mean, how cool is it to move to a new city, either overseas or here and be a part on the ground level of seeing a new, a new church get started. It's just, it, it's one of the sweetest experiences of your life. Go to years.net. Yeah, completely. For the college students listening or the seniors in high school preparing for college. By the way, go two years. you got to use the number two, not oh, yeah. the right T-W-O out. Yeah, that's G-O, right. Yeah, number the two. number two, years.net. Yeah, right, go ahead. Yeah, and also, the, let me throw this in there as well, too. This is a good time. Is the North American Mission Board has partnered in this and caught the vision of it. And uh, also, if you're on your phone, you can just text STUDENTS to 888 students to 888-111 and you'll get a reply back of where to go for next steps as well so that's great yeah yeah yeah. hey for the college students pastor that are listening or those that are about to go into college what are some core values they should focus on while they're at university or in college while they're at university or college yeah 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 so i mean i think a part of it um i would say is the idea of what comes first in your life. Um, you know, I think what happens is not that people ever want to walk away from Jesus. He's just not first. Mm. And career's first, um, you know, fun is first, and, you know, whatever, uh, sports, uh, academics, these are all great. But at every point in our life, in every chapter, the kingdom of God really ought to be first. Because in Matthew six thirty three, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, C.S. Lewis had a great way of summarizing that. He said, "He said, you know, when first things are first, God throws in second things." Oh, wow. Based on Matthew six thirty three, but when you but when you put second things first, you know, Lewis said, not only do you lose contact with first things, God, you also eventually will lose the second things too. And so, you know, when it comes when you go into into your university, um, you know, making sure that not only is your walk with God right, but you're you know in the right Christian communities, that your relationship with your local church is you know, that you're a substantial part of it, because those things have a large formative effect on you, and they'll shape you not just for your college years, but, but literally for the rest of your life. Um, so that that's one of the values that's there. Um, secondly, is that you're there to be a witness, and in order to do that, you got to get trained, um, and you really need to take advantage of, you know, some of the great resources that North American Mission Board and others provide. How do, how do, you, how do, you, how do you learn to share your faith? How do you learn to defend your faith? One of the things we do at our church is we have a um, several hundred college students every summer that come on a 10 week called city project. And they just come for 10 weeks and they learn how to be disciple makers. They learn how to share the gospel, and go on mission trips. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's, that's helping them get prepared. It's, it's one of the ways, by the way, of applying that, you know, putting God first in it. So 
those are a couple of things that would you know come to mind right away. Um, I could probably talk for another hour on the importance <laughs> yeah. of purity, the sure. importance of you know, I mean, all these things. But I, probably you know, developing a servant attitude—that's a huge one. A, a servant attitude toward um, toward the world, and asking how has God made what has made you good at, and how can you use that to serve others and the Great Commission. But I, I'll, I'll limit it to that. Yeah. For the, that's great. For the pastor that's listening or pastoring a church close to a college campus, but they have zero college students in their ministry, but they feel called to reach the college campus, what would you give them as some next first steps of what they should do to reach that campus? Yeah, really good question. I mean, obviously pray. Um, that's what this church did. They, the, the church I was a part of. Pray. Um, we won. Um, go take people out there to the college campus and pray. I would find you a couple of campus ministries that are on the campus and ask to say, Hey, we want to be here to serve. Mm. You know, we just want to come and let us, let us, let our church provide a meal for your students. Um, what can we do on move in day that would help them? Just, you know, the way that Jesus, uh, I hate to say it this way, but the way he made himself relevant to people is he provided, you know, he, he met their needs in ways yeah. nobody else could. And sure. I think we can still do that. And I think you can do it with college campus. You ought to ask questions, um, hard questions about, is there anything, about our church that is not attractive to a student, like in a, in a bad way. Like, um, it, that's not always the case. It's not like, you know, every church that's doing it right is going to have college students um, because sometimes they just don't have the relationships there or they don't know about it or it's too far away or something. But um, I think that, you know, we ought to, a lot of our churches ought to be willing to ask, like, is the style of my preaching, the tone, the, you know, the, the way I talk about things, is our music, what is there that, that is not, you know, that is turning them away? It ought to, we ought to make it easy for college students to hear the gospel. And so those would be some practical things. I will, I'll, I'll warn you that, you know, campus ministries can be kind of wary of churches that try to come in and sort of take over, like, hey, we'll provide a meal, but we expect you to get up and talk about how awesome our church is or why your students should come. They're not going to do that. You just got to be out there and, and serve. Um, students love to have opportunities to meet needs in the community, and if your church can provide that like hey here's ways that we can help you serve um you know underprivileged and, and that's been very successful for us too absolutely and i feel like summit you are doing it really well the lord's working through you obviously to reach a next generation you, you brought up the preaching aspect and that that really um i think hit home with me what are some things maybe in preaching wanting to reach college students what are some things to maybe avoid and some things to run through, run to in your preaching. Yeah, well, drive bys. You got to avoid drive bys. Yeah. Um, if I'm ever going to talk about same sex attraction, homosexuality, you, you don't just like you know. Even if you're if you're pure hearted in it, like you know, just like I just I don't usually l- mention it in just a list of sins because of the questions that it raises. I will talk about it, and I talk about it fairly frequently now. Um, but I always make sure that I have time to set out what I mean, what I don't mean, trying to get past what they assume I mean when I say that homosexuality is a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be able to explain that on, on, on my terms, the Bible's terms. Um, you know, same thing with abortion, that sort of thing. is just drive-bys feel easy. It feels like a valid application, but, but it's, it's not. Um, I try to tell uh, people in preaching that um, this guy named Michael Green wrote a book called Evangelism in the First Century, and he, he talks about the difference between what he calls a missionary and a defender of orthodoxy. He said a defender of orthodoxy is, is concerned to show how distinct the Christian message is from the world, 
the missionary is trying to bridge the gap, trying to find common ground. He said the two should never really contradict, you know, because they're both teaching the same faith, but they approach questions differently. And a lot of pastors only know how to preach like defenders of orthodoxy. Yeah. And you're standing up there showing, and, and that's great. We need that. But, but more often than not, I'm trying to preach like a missionary. And that is, I'm trying to bridge that gap to, man, to just say, hey, I, I understand the questions you're asking. I know the assumptions you have, and some of them are not fair that you have, but I at least want to meet you on common ground. And I want to talk to them the way that I'm talking to somebody if I'm sitting across the table from them at a coffee shop, not if I'm at the SBC Pastors Conference, you know, lambasting the decay of the world. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. you, you may say the same things, you, but you, but you, you say it a lot differently in your in your tone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those would be a couple of preaching things. That and just the need to really preach, man, the full biblical picture of, like I said, the whole ball of crazy. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, and one advice I've been given lately as well to leaders and churches is don't shy away from preaching the truth and preaching doctrine and theology. And even with teenagers, I'm like, hey, if they can handle pre-cal, they can handle doctrine and theology. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> hey, 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 put it this way: if they can order, if they can order drinks at Starbucks, <laughs> they can handle words like redemption and propitiation. Yeah, that's right, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, Pastor, if you could go back in time and visit yourself in college, what would you tell the college JD Greer? <laughs> I tell two things. Um, one is, and realize that the best things come when you're not in a hurry and you're just letting God unfold his work in your life. At every point in my life, I've always been anxious to get to the next point. And um, I just realized I short-circuited some of the, the lessons, that the character God was trying to build in me. Um, every guy that, every person that God calls and uses mightily, he puts them in a time of training. And that's true of Moses, it's true of Paul, it's true of King David. Um, you know, Paul, we don't realize this, but there was 17 years between when God called him in Acts 9 and when he was commissioned by the church in Acts 13. Wow. Um, 17 years is a long time to wait and yeah. to kind of, you know, feel like, hey, God, why aren't you doing more? So I wish I'd, you'd tell him to take some more time. Um, plus, the things that you think you're good at when you're in college, the things that, especially if you're going into ministry, you know, you, you probably aren't. <laughs> you, you, you need some, about a decade of kind of, I don't want to say trial and error, but honing some of those gifts, and then you'll start to discover the the ones that are really your your divine sweet spot that he's given. And, um, you know, when you can find that sweet spot and hone in on that, that's when, like, you start to really feel effective and, like, the ministry start to really feel, not only feel good, but feel like you're really being effective. So I'd, that'd be one. Second one would probably be, be watch out for Julie. You're going to meet a girl <laughs> named Julie, and just bad news. So yeah, She's going to capture that phone call. your heart. There you go. I love it. Yeah, right, just, yeah. Turn. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, well, Pastor, we always close with the same omission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize that they're now generation, that they're not just the future of the church, but they're also the church right now, have a mission now, on purpose now, got a great commission on their life now. So give us one closing thought on this and one practical next step. Yeah, closing thought on that is um, the most the most fruitful mission field in America is the millennial and college student generation. And the, you'll never get this time back. You'll never get this ability to have people openness to the gospel. They make the best disciples. They, you know, we know historically that almost every major missions movement and awakening has come through that generation. So, man, 
you're in the, the best possible time of ministry. My, some of my most fruitful times of ministry myself was in that college and right at post-college age. Um, practical step is start praying big things, start looking for what God is doing now, and tell somebody about Jesus. Just yeah. walk across the hall and just share with somebody because you're going to regret it later if you didn't, didn't, didn't leverage every moment for what it could be worth. So good. Well, Pastor J.D., thank you so much for your time. The Lord speaks through you and blesses me, and I know blesses so many who will hear this. So thank you so much for your time, my friend. How can people connect with you my and pleasure, find man. you thank on you. social media? How can people find you on social media? Yeah, easy, easiest thing, I'd say my main social media outlet is, is Twitter, jdgreer.com, or sorry, no, dot com, <laughs> at jdgreear. My, I have a you know a, my own kind of ministry website. We have a podcast, Ask Me Anything, which is uh, you know basically seven to eight minute answers to tough questions that college students and other people ask just about Christianity, about faith, about life, and um, so you know uh, you can find information there. Of course, message podcasts, thing called Summit Life, all that's accessible through jdgreer.com. Uh, and that there's Instagram stuff that's probably the easiest way to get to it is just go to jdgreer.com and link to it from there. Yeah, great. And man, I follow you, obviously. You're a great follow. Also, you know, if if one day you're just down and need a laugh, fake fake J.D. Greer is a fun follow as well. <laughs> that's right. Or look up, just type in on YouTube, Sissy Britches and oh, my yeah, name. That's and right. Comes up and you'll, you'll be the last. That's true. You know, one thing I left out of your bio is you're the recent recipient of a, a major award, you know, so congratulations Worst on Christian that. Worst Christian of 2019. <laughs> Congrats. Worst Christian of 2019, absolutely. Yeah. It's an honor just to be nominated. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Pastor. Truly appreciate it. And Bye, thank man. you all for listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net, N-A-M-B.net. We'll try to address those on a future podcast. Also, don't forget to text students to 888 888- one 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 to get more information on go to have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus.